Hello, and welcome to A Life in Art, a podcast by Grosvenor Gallery. If you've not heard of us before, we're a London-based art gallery specialising in work by modern and contemporary artists from South Asia. I'm Charles Moore, one of the gallery directors. In this podcast series, we aim to get you closer to some of the artists we work with and to speak to interesting and influential figures in the industry. My guest today is Ritika Pandey. Ritika is a visual artist from Mumbai, whose paintings draw on the personal, mythological and scientific to navigate the mystical spaces within our culture and technological environments. In her complex and deeply personal paintings, she deals with issues such as hybridity, displacement and femininity. In 2021, she took part in the exhibition Hawala at Paradise Row in London, which was curated by Shazad Daoud and featured a group of London-based artists of South Asian descent. Her work is currently on display at Rugby Museum and Art Gallery in the UK as part of the group show Body and Thrall, curated by Marcel Joseph and Sarah Holdaway, as well as at Project ADA in Rome in the show Hymn of Creation. Her exhibition at Grosvenor Gallery, Only What Is, Never Another, runs from the 7th to the 29th of April 2022, with an opening reception on Wednesday the 6th from 6 to 8pm. We're also showing a selection of Ritika's works on paper in an online viewing room, which will run alongside the exhibition. Everything, including the works on paper at the gallery, details and images will go on our website, grosvenorgallery.com, and up on Artsy on the morning of the 7th of April. Do get in touch to ask about the show by emailing us at art at grosvenorgallery.com or visit our website. It's been quite a long time since we've done one of these, but we hope you enjoy the episode. Today, uh, I'm talking to Ritika Pandey, the uh, subject of our next exhibition at the gallery. Um, her show is titled Only What Is, Never Another, and that opens uh, in London on Wednesday, the 6th of April, 2022. For those of you that aren't aware of Ritika's work or, or her practice, Ritika, could you just give us a bit of an intro into how you became an artist and just go into a bit of detail about your practice as well? Well, uh, hi Charles, thank you so much for having me for this podcast. Uh, so my journey to becoming an artist was pretty interesting because as a kid, I drew a lot and I drew so much. I loved coloring so much that I used to eat crayons. <laughs> and uh, but uh, growing up, I think it's the same with most of South Asian families that, you know, you're expected to be something like a doctor or an engineer or a lawyer or something that brings in money into the family. And me wanting to be an artist was quite a shocker to the larger part of my family. But my parents were quite okay with that because I was always creative growing up. But initially, I sort of wanted to be a chef, you know, or a fashion designer. So I had all of these ideas until I realized that I was returning to art, returning to painting over and over again. And I mean, it just took me a while to recognize that. But when I did, I knew that I had to follow this path. And I just got, you know, got into college um, right here in India. And then I sort of, I studied there for two years. And then I decided to take a year off and travel the world. And I did that all by myself. I was like 19 years old and I was traveling all over Europe and uh, looking at art, like having a more intimate experience with art and then realizing what I wanted to express. And then I sort of came to UK and that's where I finished the final year of college. So that's, that has been the journey towards, you know, becoming an artist and gaining that sense of confidence 
as as an artist in in this bigger world but i so my work is really about you know navigating the spaces of memory and displacement and also the desire to build elsewhere worlds and it really comes through the lens of myth making and world building so that's how it's been so far and very recently um certain events in 2021 uh, happened that led me into looking at you know death and rebirth and transformation as core thematics that are driving my work now so i've been imagining a lot of interstellar dream worlds where these protagonists are moving in between landscapes and interacting with the world through this sort of made up language which is still in the process of being developed but that's that's where i am right now in my practice right it strikes me that you know you saying that you wanted to become a chef or you know fashion designer and and if kind of at this stage you're you yeah. know you're, you're an artist and a painter those are all those are all um careers and lifestyles where you're you're creative in in all of those things and you're pulling in references and you're pulling in yeah. different things to create something as a whole um yeah that's what i quite like in your work that you know there is you are drawing on such a range of influences and such a range of um imagery because yeah i think you um you traveled quite a lot as a child as well and that's kind of how has that entered your your work and influenced it i feel like my origin story is displacement because when i was a kid when i was born like i was born in varanasi and then i didn't stay there for too long like i was one or two years old and because of my dad's job we moved to africa so most of my formative childhood years have been shaped in africa and i was just moving even there i was moving around between ghana nigeria and kenya and i was all because of dad's job so it was just you know moving around between different cultural landscapes and just being a witness to all of that being at the receiving end of beauty of you know just observing things and being a sponge just taking it all in while i was in africa we you know we had some great times just dancing on the beaches and then again due to dad's job we moved back to mumbai and i've been here ever since 10 11 years and then again you know even in india i've been traveling here and there all by myself then moving to the uk again all by myself yeah so it's it's been a very interesting journey because i feel like i thrive in not these destinations but these in between spaces and i think that is very evident in my works because the characters or the situations are always held in the middle of something like it's never really a or b it's the middle of like a bigger event and that's that's really coming from my own personal experiences my own personal mythology that's something yeah that is something i noticed that there's that adds a layer of tension and i find it a sort hmm. of slight a slight underlying sense of unease you know something's either about to happen or some you know a figure is jumping through space or you know in one work there's a bomb about to go off and snakes are about to attack and <laughs> are you doing that intentionally to sort of set the viewer a bit on 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 edge or is that just the process yeah. of, of how you've described your experience i want to shake the viewer's sense of safety in a way that it doesn't make them extremely uncomfortable but that discomfort makes them go within and sort of reflect on what sort of biases or what what states of mind are they approaching this particular piece from and i think it's coming from a lot of these influences that when i made these paintings in 2019 i was reading haruki murakami a lot and i was so inspired by the way his 
narrative was so non-linear. It was here one second and then the other second, you're just in another place altogether. So it's never really, you know, one thing. It's always non-binary. It's, it's non-linear and it's all over the place. It's spherical. And that's what I want the allegories or the narratives of my paintings to be. It's, it's not one thing. It's, it's multidimensional. And I want the viewers to feel that unease, but also recognize that there is something unfolding which could benefit them, could benefit their approach to that work. But the core idea is to use tragedy and this sort of dry humor to just jolt that sense of familiarity for the for the audience. So you don't, you don't yeah, you don't want to give anyone a, an easy ride necessarily. You know, you, you no, I don't. I give them clues. Hmm. I do give them clues. Like like there are certain symbols that are obvious. Like there are crows and uh, snakes, which which pose deep psychological uh, symbolisms for us because perception is symbolic, right? And we are approaching reality through the symbolic nature of viewing. So everything is like, we we live our lives through these symbols. So it's, it's interesting how people translate these symbols for their own personal universes. And these clues can be anything for anyone. It can be anything for you. It can be anything for someone else. But yeah, there are clues. And if you can solve it, great, but you don't really have to solve anything. You just have to be with it. I was going to ask, there's one, there's one picture in the show titled Pure Energy, where you've got this central figure surrounded by this assemblage of seemingly random objects. You know, there's dice, doorways leading nowhere. There's a telephone and a lobster, I think, which is quite, you know, there's a nod, a nod to Dali, I'm guessing. I don't know. <laughs> yes. are, those, are those objects, are those sort of autobiographical things, things you, you pulled from everyday life? Or are they metaphors for something? Or, or are you just inviting the person looking at the work to just put their own to put their own experience onto it and take from it what they want it's a mixture of all of it mm. uh but yeah most of it is autobiographical like uh for example there's a chair which is uh very significant chairs are very significant because i i'm a huge observer of chairs but yeah there are a lot of chairs and um uh cigarette and i don't know a couple of other symbols dice as well like Dice is so weird because I used to think of dice all the time because it's such a game of chance. Like everything was so not, you know, free will. Everything was happening by some kind of strange universal order. And that's what the dice represented. But most of it was autobiographical. And that painting in particular is, is quite uh, pop culture in a way that, you know, it's representing this sort of millennial Gen Z anxiety of, being in such such an informationally saturated world and then at that time I was also going through a hard breakup so it was like weird I was in a weird situation and that's how that work sort of came about yeah so the work the objects are quite autobiographical but also metaphors for you know for where I was going because that was the time when I was leaving home and I was preparing to move to the UK so maybe that's what the the tunnel or the door leading to nowhere is so it could be that you maybe yourself don't quite know sometimes what these objects yeah. represent. Maybe that's quite that's quite nice. Yeah. How did the move from India to the UK affect your work? And and now that you've moved back, are you finding yourself, you know, considering that time in the UK as as something very different, or are you still incorporating things that you picked up here in your new work? And have you found new imagery entering your work since being back in Mumbai? So the move from Bombay to in uh, to UK was um, quite uh, weird because 
mentally i wasn't like in a in a good place at that time but i think the move to the uk was the best decision i ever made because even though i was in this quiet small town in wales i got the space i needed to think to um reflect on my work because before that my work was slightly chaotic like there was a lot going on and that was obviously a reflection of the space i was in like bombay is chaotic like crazy like there's so many things happening here in the city and and then immediately moving to a quiet serene sunny space in wales was just the opposite of where i was coming from but i met some incredible women who shaped my work a lot and one of the key things that i needed at that time for my work was that sense of awareness on how i approached the canvas on how i used the paint to just simply apply the work you know, like apply the paints on the canvas like how my fabricating colors that that awareness was very important for me and yeah so that was a huge influence on the way i was making works then when i moved back to bombay a um, couple of significant events happened which completely changed you know the world view the purview of my works and initially my works were more domesticated you could see walls and everything but now it's the boundaries are blurred like it's more of an open space and it's quite interstellar in its approach and it's cosmic and everything new imagery i think in terms of iconography i think it's moving towards it's really stemming from a place of grief right now like i'm like i'm working towards this upcoming show in mumbai in september and the works are now coming from a place of grief which is weirdly a very rich space filled with symbolisms and colors but even though it's a heavy space to be in it's it has changed the way i approach the works now it's it's yeah it's quite beautiful one of the key aesthetic tools that you use in your work are these figures called bloomdidos how have they found their way into your work and and what is it that they represent or are they just the sort of vehicle for the narrative of the story to play out it's difficult to explain their origin systematically because the way they've come about is very organic and very intuitive so bloom dido is actually this piece by charlie parker and dizzy gillespie if you've heard that so in 2019 i was going through this insane phase of listening to jazz all the time even though i didn't understand that technically i was crazy about you know jazz and i heard this piece by charlie parker and i was just like okay and that's when these characters had sort of come into play and i was like i need to give this species of protagonist a name so that's how bloom the rose came about but they sort of came about as shadows as at first they they were featureless they were just silhouettes of figures moving about space it was very similar to carrie walker's silhouettes and um i think eventually i sort of recognized that i wanted to give you know these figures sort of features and elaborate their presence within the painting and that's how it moved about but formally speaking i wanted to be a figurative artist and working with the color blue black was so important to me in in a very sacred way yeah it there was this tendency for me to not work with lighter colors because there was this especially when creating figures because i didn't like that ambiguity that was presented through different ton- tonalities because like the lighter shades would create that and that was disturbing to me when i was working with this this particular color blue black it was i don't know it just it just made everything like so solid so non ambiguous 
And that's the, that's the thing that I wanted to play with more and more. And that's how the characters came about. But I see these characters, these protagonists as my companions. So they're like reflection of me. They're not me. They are their own individual, their own individuated identities. And they have their own sense of agency. Like that's how it's, that's what it's grown to now. Like I see them as beings in their own right, their own autonomy within within the universe of those paintings. It's interesting that you say that the, the title came from came from music because I read an, an interview with you a couple of years ago that where you and it comes across that music plays a massive part in your process and is a very important thing to you um and actually some of the yes, some definitely. of the some of the titles of your works are quite poetic they're almost like you know excerpts from songs or song titles and things like that there's there's a couple that mm-hmm. I'm going to highlight there's some um, there's one called the story where I loved you from a unique standpoint and in, in that one, there's a dog attacking one of these figures running away. And the dog has this tail made of a snake and the snake is holding a sword. And the other one that I, I thought was great was, but the model of my body in the model of my brain has different ideas for the future. It's great. It's absolutely amazing. So so music obviously has a huge effect and plays a big part on your, yes. on your work. Hmm. Yes, definitely. I think... Uh... It's something that I cannot survive without because I feel like music creates the space of thinking that goes beyond language in a way. And I really like to operate in that space because sometimes language feels so broken that music is the only antidote for it in a way. And yeah, and for me to intuitively process the works I'm making, music becomes the way for me to bridge that gap between thinking and executing and processing and reflecting so yeah music is but it with with the titles actually i i treat them as literary things in their own right because i see the titles as extension of the painting so i want them to be as decorative and as crazy and wild and feral as the paintings itself so a lot of times it's it it's something that I can't describe how I arrived to, but it's so intuitive. Like I'm just walking and then the sentences just come to me and I'm like, okay, this could be the title of the painting because it's, it's coming from a deep, deeply rooted intuitive aspect of the human consciousness. So it has to have meaning. It has to have some kind of depth to it to come out so randomly. And then me deciding that I need to keep this as a title. Like that process is so weird and beautiful. So the works are painted first? The works are often painted first and then there's this, you have to grab something. No, that's, I can't tell. Sometimes the words come first and the painting comes after that. Sometimes the paintings come first and the words come after that. So yeah, it's a weird process, but there's this strange internalized system that I have already built and it's hard to systematize it and articulate it in words that can make sense to another. But that that's the thing, that's how it, that's how it is. It's quite intuitive, but it's beautiful. Mm, yeah I mean they certainly they certainly when you it's great to have such poetic titles you know how often do you go to an exhibition and everything's called untitled you know it gives it gives someone it gives gives, you know the viewer an extra insight into yeah into the creative process and and into what it is that you're trying to express and I think they're they're lovely can I ask you about one or two other of the paintings in your show Hmm? in quite a few of them they're sort of subdivided into rooms and spaces and they're almost like um stage sets for a play or mm. for, you know for something dramatic 
quite theatrical. Yeah. Very theatrical, yeah. And is it that's your intention? Is it to sort of set this almost set this stage and then let the drama yes. play out? And then something. So yes. one of your works, for example, there's a painting. Hold on to your own gravity, please. Where you've got two figures, sort of teetering mm. on chairs, and yeah. they're quite. <laughs> a lot of your work is very surreal and 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 has a, a sort of yeah this unsettling quality, and then there is the sort of the bizarre. It's very uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That painting is very uncomfortable because it's it's a balancing act, right? It's it's a lot about relationships and just balancing yourself in this really complex sort of um, emotional situation that is created between two people. And I think that's that's that was made in the UK. So that was something I was exploring at the time, you know, family relationships and memory and how we relate to each other. But yeah, the, the drama is definitely there. And I, I, I make sure that I create that, that strange atmosphere of something cinematic and, and absurd through these works. Ritika, thank you so much. Um, it's been lovely to talk to you, and and you're going to be here for the show. Uh, you'll be in London for the show, so that's that's very exciting. And and the exhibition's opening on Wednesday, the sixth of April, in the evening. So do come and visit. Ritika's going to be here. Ask her any questions. And the show is sort of partially hung in the gallery and looks looks fantastic. So I think it's going to be a very good one. So um, no, it's lovely to talk to you. And thanks very much for your time. You too, Charles. Thank you so much for having me.